Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 15 and verses 21 through 28. As we, uh, for our text, we preach a message I've titled, A Good Mother's Love. I also wanted to point out, I didn't do this during the announcements, but the flowers down front this morning are in remembrance of Elsie Durlin. And uh, the version of the bulletin today is from John thirteen fifteen. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. And one thing I remember about Elsie Durlin, when I first came to the church in 1984, my dad was the pastor, and I would assist him for those first two years, that sometimes it was my duty to kind of roam around and see what was going on in the other places. I wanted to stay in that church every Sunday morning in children's church. I mean, that gal could tell a story, a Bible story, and you felt like you were right there in it. And uh, great, you know, really good. Uh, they kind of frowned on somebody being that big there in children's church. But nonetheless, uh, I thought, boy, that, that is great and certainly do miss her. Well, our text is Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. And cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Sounds like a group of men, doesn't it? But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray that thy Holy Ghost would just take over this service today and be the power in my voice that holds the attention but also takes the message home to the heart. I ask you to move in a very special way in this service in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Mothers hold a special place in our heart. A little boy hates girls, but mom is exempt from that, okay? She doesn't count in that area. Mom was the one that will beat the daylights out of that little guy and then cry tears when he has the fever. And we think of that with mother. But our text demonstrates for us a truly devoted mother. She's an unsaved mother at the moment. But she is a truly devoted mother. Now, Jesus uh, is there in Tyre and Sidon, and, and, and the mother makes her approach. Now, understand, Jesus is, is in Gentile country. He said that he was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But he's... Here in a Gentile country, why is that if he's sent to the lost sheep of Israel? Well, if we read Mark chapter 7, 
we find out in verse 24, it says that he entered into the house and would have no man know it. In other words, he came apart with his disciples to rest. It was simply to rest. But the reason he allows this, because he knows it's coming. He knows what's going to happen. He's showing compassion for his disciples to see. See, they did come apart to rest, but more than that, Jesus knew this lady would come. And boy, what an opportunity it is now to be able to demonstrate to them what this idea of compassion for all men will be. They were in the house. The Lord is resting with them when this lady comes. They're disturbed. Send her away. But you see, what Jesus is doing is that he wants his disciples to not only have compassion, he wants them to see that salvation is for all people, for all mankind that will come to him in repentance and faith. And so you give to all. I, I can remember, I mean, way back years ago, my kids were little. And one of the things that was, I guess was one of my favorite things was the Three Musketeers bar. Now, I knew if I brought one home to eat it, I was going to have to bring one for each of them. And so sometimes I'd just buy my candy bar while I was out somewhere, but, you know, I couldn't enjoy it as much driving the car and, and eating the candy bar, you know. What I like to do is go home and sit in that easy chair and eat my candy bar. And so I would enjoy my candy bar in the easy chair. The kids would inhale theirs and then say, Dad, can I have a bite? Now, I have half a candy bar left. And, you know, I mean, as a dad, you know, no, man, get out of here. What's wrong with you? You know, so, so you, you give them a bite. But those kids have super sensory hearing at that age. I could sneak in the bedroom and start to open that wrapper. If they were outside, they would hear it come in and say, Dad, I believe I could have gone into the restroom, turned on the exhaust fan, turned on the shower, turned on the sink, flushed the commode, and they would have still heard a wrapper coming off a candy bar. Oh, I'd just like to sit in the... That's the nice thing when the kids leave home. You can sit in that chair and eat the candy bar. And she won't let you do that anymore, you know. <laughs> now, here they are. Jesus has a human body. It's tired. And they are going apart to rest. He was always crowded. His works would follow him wherever he'd go. And, and he could not be hid. But he's trying to show his disciples, and I believe show us today, that souls are much more important than our leisure and our convenience. You see, the lady in our text is searching for Jesus Christ, who has 
come apart to rest. But her daughter is grievously ill. She's vexed with the devil. And though a Gentile instead of a Jew, and they would usually have no dealings with one another in that day, she is driven by the compassion for her daughter. That compassion is only exceeded by the compassion that Jesus Christ has for each of our souls. So this mother approaches him because of her daughter. But next we see her appeal. And in verse 22, she appeals to Jesus Christ for mercy. But her daughter's the one that's sick. Her child is the one that's in misery. But you see, her child's misery is her misery. She fulfills the definition of compassion, your pain in my heart. That's what compassion is, your pain in my heart. And certainly this mother naturally feels that for this child who is grievously vexed by a devil. And she's taking her burden, her heartbreak, her love for her child straight to the Lord. Her appeal, however, is not based on her merit. She doesn't have the attitude, oh, look, I deserve this. Uh, look, you ought to do this for me today. You've got it. You could do it. And you ought to do it for me. Now, a lot of people get that attitude today. She doesn't have that attitude. She's crying. She's begging out for, for mercy. Not her good works does she plead. She pleads for mercy. You know, child rearing is a sacred duty. This society in which you and I live today in America, now it's not the, your kids have grown up, many of our kids don't know the America that we grew up in that are older. I mean, you didn't have cussing on television. Uh, there was one program on television where it had to be written in the contract and they had to get permission for the lady to wear slacks on the program. That's how straight it was back in that day. And, and so there were things that just happened after that matter. In that day, it was a very strong and, and moral society. And here's this lady. She's trying to guide her child as we need to guide our children. But there's a problem. If you're without Christ... No matter how much you love your child, no matter how much you care for that child, no matter how much you want to do for her or him, whatever that child would be, but as much as you'd want to do, if you're not saved, your prayer will not have power with God. And if you are saved, but you're not walking with God, your prayer will still not have power with God. Yes, to raise that child biblically, you need to have your prayer life and your Bible life to get your guidance for rearing your own child. 
You know, a child, if you ask them what they want for lunch, it will never be a balanced lunch. Okay, it will never be that. You don't go to a little boy and uh, let him make the decision as to whether or not he's going to get a bath or a shower that night. That is a no-no because that will not happen if he makes the decision before he goes to bed. But I can tell you this, one day your child will be fully tempted to sin. And you won't be there to protect them. They'll grow older. They'll have temptations come into their life. And you won't be able to do anything about it because you're not there. But you can place God's word in their heart and life so much through your own study, through your own counseling with them and talking with them on a day-by-day basis as well as having them in God's house every time the doors are open. And at least have that planted in their heart, training them and trying to train them in the word of God, train them in the way they should go. Why is that? Because one day your child's also going to stand before God at the judgment seat and you can't stand in for him there either or for her. Each child will stand for themselves. And you won't be able to make it. So what, what do we need to do? We need to flood their souls. We need to flood their minds. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Make the Bible more important than taking that shower. Make the Bible more important than the balance meal. Make the Bible more important in their lives and help them to understand it. Open God's word at home. Open God's word at church. Open God's word at all times. Now, did you notice the way this lady approaches the Lord and and, and makes her appeal? She doesn't say, Bless my daughter. She doesn't say that. Now, a lot of times we say, well, we'll pray for the church, pray for this, pray for that. And we'll say, well, Lord, bless them. What in the world do you mean by that, bless them? You know, in Paul's life, it was a blessing that he had a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. He prayed three times for it to be removed. Most people would say, that's not a blessing. The apostle said it's a blessing because when he is weak, then he's made by strong by the strength of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So understand that a lot of times uh, we've got to be more specific in our prayer life. She asks specifically for her daughter's problem. It's stated there in verse 22. She look at it again. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. For my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. That is specific. Now, look, you may see some character witnesses, uh, weaknesses, should I say, in your own child. They may be lazy. They may be a complainer. They may be a gossip. Don't ignore it. Be specific. Look, when I go to Burger King... I don't go up to the counter and say, give me $5 worth of food. For some reason or other, they want me to be specific. You don't go into Burger King and order food that way, so why do we go to prayer and just say, bless them, Lord? 
Learn from the Word of God. You studied the Word of God. How to pray for your children. It's so important. It's so important. We're told her daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. You know what that tells me? If I'm going to pray specifically for a daughter like that, I want to pray for her salvation, first and foremost. Now, we need to pray daily about things such as integrity in their life and and, and fulfilling God's will in their life. We need to pray for that. But the first thing they need to be prayed for is their salvation. This girl is, is sick. She's grievously vexed with the devil. Don't you think that God allowed that? This lady doesn't pursue the Lord and she never comes to salvation if God does not allow that. But you see, Satan makes a bid for your child. He'll use the cool kids. He'll use media. He'll use entertainment and all things that he can get his hands on to try to keep your child under the power of the sickness of sin. Do not allow Satan to have your child without a fight. Do your best to be the Proverbs 31 mother. That regardless of what way those children go, that will always be a witness. You know, that's why you train up a child the way he should go. Says he won't depart from it. That doesn't mean that, okay, you train them this way, they'll always do well. I've heard many preachers preach it that way. That's not true. That's not the way the word is put out in there. The idea is this. You train them up in the way they should go. It won't depart from them. It'll be in there. It'll always be a prick. And that's a good thing. If it's in their heart, it will continually be there so that when they do evil, when they do wrong, they will feel that conviction. So you keep that in their heart. You keep that in your mind. And by the way, that is mom and dad, not just mom. That is mom and dad. As a matter of fact, dad, you're to take the leadership in that. So she makes her approach to God and she makes an appeal to God. But next we see her abiding faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in these next verses, verses 24 through 28. You see, Satan is daily bidding for your child. And you know that the temptation is great and evil. Be more afraid of the damage that Satan can do to your child than to be concerned about whether or not your child is popular and has honors. We see a progression in our text. She has heard about Jesus. She believes that he can do this. But there are some things that interfere with this mother. In verse 23, she's Answer, she's not answered. He answered her not. The disciples said, hey, send her away. Come on. And, and I'm reminded of Job in that. Job loses all that he owns. And he says, I look to my right. I look to my left. I look in front of me. I look behind me. And the God wouldn't hear my prayer. But he says, but I'm not going to forsake him. God heard his prayer, just wasn't ready to answer it yet. His wife was saying, why don't you curse God and die, Job? 
he has these three miserable comforters who are giving him all kinds of trouble, and then the fourth one jumps on the pile. Finally, God intervenes. Oh, he went through it. If you get right with God, I can guarantee you there will always be opposition and it'll be all the way. Because there is a spiritual warfare in this world and Satan is the God of this world and he has many more people on his side than God has on his side. That's why we're to be witnesses in this world. Jesus is not speaking is preparing this lady for when he does speak. But when he doesn't talk and the disciples say, send her away, she is unmoved, she is determined. Jesus tells her, his ministry, I'm I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But you see, her problem was that she was trying to use words that were perhaps right words, but she was using them in the wrong way. She said in verse 22, Thou son of David. She's not a Jew. She's not a Jew. She's trying to approach him as a Jew. She's not a Jew. Thou son of David. If that's the way she approaches him, then he must tell her, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, you're not going to become a Jew to get saved. You've got to come to Jesus Christ. So he tells her, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of Israel. Then finally in verse 25, she worships him and calls him Lord. She's trying everything. The salvation of her daughter is important to her. She needs to be healed of this sickness. But you see, Jesus wants to heal both the sickness and her soul. He wants to save her from her sin. Believing now that he can do it, she recognizes him as Lord. She knows that he is deity. He can do this. She's willing to make a life commitment. Allowing him to be the Lord of her life. But Jesus answers her again because he's got to get her off. Well, thou son of David. He's got to get her off becoming a Jew. He's got to get her off of of those things. Why? Because they need to see, they need to see that she, she needs to see, should I say, she needs to see that the way of salvation is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone, whether she's a Jew or Gentile. We're not going to tell anybody to come to Baptist to go to heaven. Joining this church would never get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ gets you to heaven. But this is her daughter. She's concerned. She wants her daughter to be saved from her physical ailment. And so... Jesus answers her after she says, Lord, Lord, help me. He answers again and says, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. 
Again, he's steering her from thinking, I must convert to Judaism in order to go to heaven. I've got to convert to Judaism and keep the law. No. Trusting Jesus is what it's all about. You see, she's, people have to realize the goal is not becoming a certain way that you act. The goal is coming to Jesus Christ, realizing I'm a dog. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of the saving grace of God. I can't save myself. Otherwise, if I don't get to that point, prayer is fruitless. It's interesting that in the Bible, dogs are often used as a manner of representing homosexuality. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 17 and 18, it says, There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite, that's the homosexual, of the sons of Israel. Keeping in the context, the next verse says, Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore, the money that she makes doing that work. Don't take that to God's house, not to his holy offerings. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog. It's talking about the homosexual, the sodomite. Into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God. See, God doesn't want that kind of money, but God will save those souls. Those two kinds of souls, God will save them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, says, Such were some of you mentioning those sins. He can save them. He can cleanse them. And he can make them trophies of grace. That's the God that we have. Well, she gets the comparison of dogs and children. She gets that. Because the Jews often referred to Gentiles as dogs knowing they were putting them on that level. She sees the Jews and the Gentiles, but she also sees the Lord, is implying that she needs to see her sin and be saved. And so she replies in verse 27, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now she knows that he can save her. And so we think, that she's finally grasped she doesn't need to become a Jew. She needs the bread of life. And in John six fifty one, it says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, and he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Her daughter has a terrible sickness that no man can do anything about. It's terrible. And man cannot do anything about it. She is doomed without the great physician. This lady sees her daughter is in a terrible condition and is incurable. She is incurable by man and she is incurable by religion. 
She needs the bread of life. You see, I don't think that when she, the mother finally came to Christ, it didn't lessen her love and con- concern for her daughter. It only strengthened it. But now, she knows the one that can heal her. She knew Jesus could do it. Perhaps she had heard the testimony of the dead man in Nain as they were carrying his uh, casket and he stops the casket and he touches him and he raises from the dead. Maybe uh, she had heard of the, the man at Gadarene that had had 12 legions of, angel, of devils in him. 12 legions of devils in him. And they're cast out. No man before that could tame him. Perhaps the ten lepers that are healed at once, and only one turns around to say thank you, but ten of them are healed at one time. You say, why are you bringing all of those up? Because the testimony of a changed life can have an effect on others. Share what God has done for you with other folks. Yes, Lord, dogs eat other crumbs, What does that mean? What's that getting at? It's teaching us simply this. Whosoever will, let him come. They can eat of the bread of life. They can drink of the uh, water of life. They can do that whether it's a homosexual, whether it's that person down the road that seems to be a clean, upstanding, moral man but is not saved. Every human being walking on the face of this earth needs a Savior, and only Jesus is that Savior. There are not many roads to heaven. Only Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. As long as one is under the power of sin and defeated, be it your son, your daughter, a friend, and they're not saved, or they're far away from the Lord as a saved person, never, 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 never give up on praying for that soul. They may be under the power of of sin, but understand this, the prayer closet can grow stronger as God works. And you may not understand how God is working at the time, it may be seen the opposite. This would seem the opposite of, of going finding Jesus, being a Gentile and he, him a Jew, and, and then trying to get this thing worked out. It seemed the opposite of what you're supposed to do. But it worked out for the best, didn't it? She was sick and she is healed. Jesus that day said of that lady, great is your faith. Other words, lady, you just got saved. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. He declares that she is saved and he will declare that you are saved if you'll confess your inability to save yourself. 
You'll confess that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I need a Savior. Just like this lady would not say, you need to heal my daughter for me. She pled for mercy, and we need to come and throw ourselves on the mercy of God, believing that all sin is against God. Therefore, there's repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ, believing that he died on the cross, paying the penalty for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He was buried, and three days later rose up from the dead. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for each of us that will receive it. It's important that you be a good godly mother today, a good godly parent for your father. It's important that you follow the scriptures in raising your children. But the most important thing is to know you're saved. Do you know that if you died today that heaven's your home? Let's bow our heads, please.